energetics, and current events. From the housetops, coming up next. Meditations from the Liturgical Year by Abbot Garen Jay. The Feast of the Most Holy Name of Jesus. In the Old Covenant, the name of God inspired fear and awe, nor was the honor of pronouncing it granted to all the children of Israel. We can understand this. God had not yet come down from heaven to live on earth and converse with men. He had not yet taken upon himself our poor nature and become man like ourselves. The sweet name, expressive of love and tenderness, could not be applied to him. But when the fullness of time had come, when the mystery of love was about to be revealed, then did heaven send down the name of Jesus to our earth as a pledge of the speedy coming of him who was to bear it. The archangel Gabriel said to Mary, Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Jesus means Savior. How sweet will this name not be to poor lost man! It seems to link earth to heaven. No name is so amiable, none so powerful. Every knee in heaven, on earth, and in hell bows in adoration at hearing this name. And yet, who can pronounce it and not feel love spring up within his heart? But we need such a saint as Bernard to tell us of the power and sweetness of this blessed name. He speaks to us in one of his sermons. Not in vain does the Holy Spirit compare the name of Jesus with oil when he makes the bride say to the bridegroom, Your name is as oil poured out. For oil gives light, nourishment, and ointment. It feeds the flame, nourishes the flesh, eases pain. It is light and food and medicine. See all this applies to the bridegroom's name. When preached on, it enlightens. When thought on, it enlivens. When called on, it smooths and soothes. Let us follow through each point. What do you think caused such a sudden shining of faith's light throughout the world, if not the preaching of the name Jesus? Has not God called us into his own wonderful light by the radiance of this name? Thus are we illumined, and in this light we see light, so that St. Paul says to us with good reason, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. The same Apostle Paul was charged to carry this name among kings and nations and the children of Israel. And he did carry this name, carried it like a torch, and enlightened his homeland. Everywhere he proclaimed, The night is far advanced, the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk becomingly as in the day. Paul set his lamp upon its stand for all to see preaching everywhere Jesus and him crucified. How this light sparkled and drew the gaze of all beholding it when it came forth from St. Peter's mouth like lightning. It set a lame man soundly on his feet and gave sight to many who were spiritually blind. For certainly Peter struck sparks when he declared, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, arise and walk. The name of Jesus is not only light, it is also food. Are you not strengthened whenever you meditate on it? What is its quality for enriching the mind that thinks about it? What else can so renew your fatigued spiritual powers, bolster virtue, make good and upright habits grow, foster pure affections? All spiritual food is dry if this oil is not mixed in with it, tasteless if it is not seasoned with this salt. Anything you write is without taste for me unless I read the name of Jesus in it, Your disputations and your conferences remain flat to me unless they ring with the name Jesus. Jesus is honey to the mouth, sweet song to the ear, 
joyful delight to the heart, but it is also a medicine. Is someone sad among you? Let Jesus come into his heart, and from there leap to his lips. And behold, as the light of his name arises, all clouds pass, and cheerfulness returns. Has someone lapsed into sin? Worse is despair, pushing him headlong into a trap where death awaits his soul. Surely, if he invokes the name of life, he will be revitalized at once. St. Bernard also reflects upon the holy name in its relation to circumcision. A great and awesome mystery, the child is circumcised and is called Jesus. Why are these two events connected? Jesus means Savior, and circumcision seems to pertain to one who needs to be saved than to the Savior, so that we should expect the Savior to do the circumcising rather than to be circumcised himself. But the connection is seen if we recognize Jesus not only as Savior, but also as mediator between God and men. From the very beginning, from his birth, he allies the human with the divine, the lowest with the most sublime. He is born of a woman, but one whose fruitfulness came about in such a way that the flower of virginity remained. He is wrapped in swaddling bands, yet these very cloths share in the honor of angelic praises. He is placed in a crib, but is made known by a star shining from heaven. So indeed the circumcision shows the reality of the human nature he has taken up, while the name which is above every name reveals his glorious majesty. Being a true son of Abraham, he is circumcised. Being the true son of God, he is called Jesus. For my Jesus does not bear this name like some before him as an empty title. With him there is no foreshadowing of a great name, but rather the reality itself. Indeed, the evangelist bears witness that the name is of heavenly origin, the name given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And note the depth of meaning in the word. After his birth, he is called Jesus by men. Even before his conception, he had been called Jesus by an angel. This means that he is Savior both of angels and men, of angels from the beginning of creation, of men from the time of his incarnation. His name is called Jesus, says the Gospel, the name given him by the angel. Thus, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word is established. And that word, which is found in the prophet's book as cut short, is manifested in the Gospel as the word made flesh. The circumcision of the child who was born to us is obviously an appropriate time for calling him Savior, since it is now that he begins to actualize our salvation, shedding his immaculate blood for us. There is no need, then, for Christians to go searching for the reason why the Lord Christ wished to be circumcised. He was circumcised for the same reason that he was born and suffered. He did all these things not for himself, but for his chosen ones. He was neither conceived in sin, nor circumcised because of sin, nor put to death for sin of his own. Rather, he died for our sins. The name, says the gospel, given him by the angel before he was conceived in the womb, more precisely the name by which the angel called him, not a name which the angel gave him. For this name is his from all eternity. He is Savior by his own proper nature. This name is innately his and not given him by any human or angelic creature. We conclude with St. Paul to the Philippians, chapter 2, Brethren, Christ humbled himself, becoming obedient to death, 
even to death on a cross. Therefore God also has exalted him, and has bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend. As we continue our Christmas celebration, we contemplate the angels at the crib from Hammond's Meditations, the homage which the angels render to the child God. How beautiful was the stable at Bethlehem at the moment in which the infant Jesus was born. It shone with a splendor more beautiful than that of any palace. It became paradise. Docile to the order given them by the Heavenly Father, the angels descended there immediately to adore their Savior and their King under the form of a little child. The more they see their great God abased, the more they adore him and recognize his infinite grandeur under the veil of so much humility. They confess that in comparison with his perfections, their light is but darkness, their strength only weakness, their virtues only defects. They confess also that the wonders of nature and of grace and of glory which they possess come from his munificence. It is a gift for which they are indebted to him. They thank him for it with a heart full of gratitude, and they proclaim that to him alone belongs all the honor and all the glory, all the praise and all the benediction in time and eternity. Let us rejoice at this homage rendered to the infant Jesus. Let us desire to have the hearts of the seraphim in order to honor him in the same manner. And may the angels at the crib be the pattern of our adoration in church, during prayer, everywhere. The zeal of the angels in attracting adorers to Jesus Christ. The heavenly spirits do not limit themselves to love the newborn infant. They burn with a desire to make him loved. It is not enough for them alone to enjoy the mystery of the crib. They long that it should be enjoyed by man also. Thus they wing their way towards the shepherds, watching their flocks near Bethlehem. Gabriel, appearing in the air in a human form, from out of the midst of a dazzling light, which fills them with terror, says to them, Fear not, I bring you glad tidings, which shall be an occasion of great joy to all the people. For this day is born to you a Savior in the city of David. And this is the sign whereby you shall know him. You will find a child wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. As soon as the heavenly messenger had ceased speaking, a great host of angels joined themselves with him and made the air resound with the praises of the child God. It is thus that when we love God, we have it at heart to make him loved by others. Where there is no zeal, there is no love. But where there is great zeal, there is great love. Let us judge ourselves by these rules. The Song of the Angels at the Birth of the Savior. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men of good will. Thus the angels sang, Let us meditate upon their song. Glory to God, that is to say, may God be glorified by the angels in heaven for the incarnation of the word which procures for him infinite glory. May God be glorified by men on earth for the abasement of this same word who humbles himself only in order to exalt God and procure his glory by saving men. May God be glorified in all our acts, in all our projects, in all our intentions, and may we never have any other aim. May God be glorified at the expense of our own objection, at the expense of all sufferings and of all privations. Peace on earth to men of good will, the angels added, that is to say, peace with God in virtue of the merits of Jesus Christ. For although the treaty of peace will have later on to be signed with his blood and sealed with the seal of his cross, the acceptance of it is given from today. Peace with our neighbor by the spirit of charity and meekness which the cross preaches 
peace for each individual with himself, through purity of conscience and the calm of an irreproachable heart, the fruits of the birth of the Savior. A triple peace, but only for men of good will, that is to say, for those who, loving God sincerely, are ready to make Him all the sacrifices which duty demands. wishing all my friends, my fans, listening to WQPH a very Merry Christmas and the happiest of New Year's. God bless you. Here's a special prayer from Father McDonough. If you'd like to share a healing or blessing from Father McDonough, please call us at 617-459-8735. That's 617-459-8735. He is being considered for sainthood. God the Father has given us his Son for the resurrection of his people. Let us turn with confidence to the Father and say, may the Lord Jesus be our very life. Oh Jesus, give us the grace to abide in you so that you can abide in us and our lives may be fruitful. Oh Jesus, risen Savior, help us to be conscious of the fact that you are with us forever as our friend and our good shepherd. And as a pillar of fire, Heavenly Father, you lighted the way for your people in the desert. Now through the resurrection of Jesus. May he today be the light of our lives and the light of the world. And through the voice of Moses, oh Heavenly Father, you taught your people from the mountain. And through his resurrection now, oh Heavenly Father, may Christ be today the light of our life. May he be a voice that fills us with hope. We invite you to say the prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the heavenly host, thrust into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. On the WQPH 89.3 FM community calendar, St. Cecilia's Parish on Mechanic Street in Lemonster is having a calendar raffle for January. It's a fundraiser for the church. The calendars are $15 each or three calendars for $40. There will be a cash prize every day during the month of January. Those prizes will be drawn on Facebook. So you'll be able to find out whether or not you won over there on Facebook each day in January. If you want more information or wish to purchase a calendar, you can call the rectory at 978-537-6541. That's 978-537-6541 for the St. Cecilia's in Lemonster Christmas Calendar Raffle. This has been the WQPH 89.3 FM Community Calendar. Tim Kilcoyne. WQPH Radio, 89.3 FM, 
with my voice a little lower here as I sit before the Blessed Sacrament in my hometown original parish of St. John, the Guardian of Our Lady, in Clinton, Mass. And my Christmas reflection for all of you as we approach the new year would be simply, what is it that we're giving and what is it that we're receiving? I hope all of you are able to give of yourself to those around you, most especially in your family, who are in need of spiritual help, just like everybody else, including ourselves. We can only assume that this internal struggle across in each and every one of our lives, and at Christmas time, maybe that cross can get lifted up by loved ones. Needless to say, Christmas is such a time of memories of our loved ones as well, and so many of the great people of our family ancestry who made Christmas such a wonderful, wonderful time because of their holiness and their love. Might we offer up our prayers to the faithful departed at Christmas to never forget how they made that time such a time of grace in our life. May we do the same for others. And may we receive the docility of the Holy Spirit at this beautiful time of year to renew our baptismal vows, our confirmation, promise to be a soldier for Christ, and to simply be that light in the darkness, not only at this time of year, but all the year through. And don't forget, 89.3 FM, eternalliferadio.org is in great need of your generosity, and we're just ever so grateful to our foundress, Marianne Harold, who, like Mother Angelica the Great, has been trooping along for many years and is truly at not only God's mercy, but yours as well, especially at Christmas and all through the year. Do make a donation. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. We're listening to 89.3 FM, WQPH, Shirley Fitchburg. The Glories of St. Joseph is a collection of the most beautiful texts composed by saints and other holy authors about St. Joseph. It is compiled and printed by the traditional Benedictine monks of Flavigny in France. The following meditation gives us beautiful thoughts on the great dignity of St. Joseph. There is a prophetic figure who embodies the greatness of our saint. According to St. Bernard, Joseph, son of Jacob, the patriarch, represents in the distant past the awe-inspiring prerogatives of Mary's spouse. You will remember the extraordinary dream in which the first Joseph saw the sun and the moon and eleven stars bowing down at his feet. This dream was not one of those which a restless imagination conjures up during sleep. Rather, it was an ecstatic vision sent to Joseph by God himself, not only to show the imminent rise and rank of this sleeping youth, but also to point out the future greatness of our saint. I leave it to you to ponder over the unbelievable destiny of the first Joseph, who saw not only his father, his mother, and his brothers, but all of Egypt prostrate at his feet. I will use this example to illustrate the dignity of the second Joseph. Almighty God, who could ever begin to fathom it? Do you not think Joseph was moved to see Jesus and Mary at his feet, as if they were servants? 
showing the most loving signs of respect? This is what makes me bold enough to assert that Joseph, in order to become Mary's spouse, must have been the greatest person ever to have lived, after the Blessed Virgin herself. I don't mean that kind of greatness, in which the ambitious boast of their honors to gain the empty respect of men. If you study his lineage, you will see that Joseph, not lacking such greatness, could boast of having fourteen kings as ancestors, and as many patriarchs and leaders, none of them as great as he, despite their scepters and crowns. According to St. Bernardine of Siena, Joseph came from a line of such illustrious nobility, reaching nearly to the heavens, and including many prophets and patriarchs, that he was able to bestow earthly nobility on the word itself. However, it is not because of his greatness that Joseph is praised. If he has dignity in himself, it is not because of the greatness of his ancestors. His identity as carpenter was as dear to him as the title of prince. The royal scepter was not more important to him than the workman's hammer. His greatness comes above all from his glorious title, the Just One. This is what pleases him most. For this he will be admired for all time. All Joseph's glories are summed up in the eulogy, Joseph was a just man. If you really want to understand Joseph's greatness as just, analyze the word itself. It sums up all the virtues and the height of Christian perfection. The Holy Father of the Church, St. Maximinus of Turin, tells us the same thing. Quote, Do you wish to know why Joseph is called just? Because he possessed perfectly all the virtues. End quote. What more can one say about a man than to say that he possesses all the virtues to a perfect degree? Is this not the highest praise? And who could compare himself in grandeur to Joseph, who deserved this praise? Could Adam, who before the fall appeared with all animals subject to him? Could Moses, who commanded creatures with his rod? Could Abraham, surrounded by his descendants like a sun in the midst of stars? Call to mind Joshua, stopping the sun at the command of his voice. Solomon, seeing queens prostrate before his throne. And you, miracle workers, show us how nature obeys your commands. Realize, however, that all of these powers cannot make you equal to St. Joseph. For you received these powers and virtues only in part, while Joseph had them all, and to a perfect degree. Humble yourselves then at his feet, all you prophets, patriarchs, apostles, martyrs, miracle workers, all you great ones of heaven and earth, just as in ancient times the sun and the moon and the stars bowed down to honor the first Joseph.
From the House Stops is produced by the slaves of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, Still River, Massachusetts.